I'm Amy Pruitt. I'm Lisa Dumas. I teach Ayurveda and yoga. I teach yoga. I'm a yoga therapist in training, and I offer transformational coaching. But that's just part of the story. We're moms, daughters, wives, and friends. We're always learning, and we've both experienced healing by what we teach. And the intention of this podcast is to offer you our favorite tools from the traditions and sciences that support us as we navigate the realities and stressors of modern life. Each week, we'll share stories, answer your questions, and talk to others who inspire us. Welcome to the Radiant Warrior Podcast. Yoga and Ayurveda to reclaim a courageous heart. I want every single person who talks to another person ever to listen to this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you are a hermit in a cave and never run into anybody, this is a good one for you. This is a good one for anybody that is a human being. A couple of episodes ago, I talked about one of the therapists that took part in a recent retreat that I went on for couples in Mexico. Um, Mary Campbell hosted it, and she's already been a guest on our show. And the other facilitator, the incredibly talented body-based therapist, Nikolai Grossel, agreed to be with us on this episode. And the conversation that we had was so rich. I feel like I want to listen to it about 20 times and take notes. Mm -hmm. And I have decided I'm going to go back to therapy. Yeah. I mean, he's basically letting us know that what we're in conflict with, what bothers us in our life, whether it be in our intimate relationships with our family members or coworkers, you know, it's it's unrecognized and unhealed stuff within us. And it is important to have somebody else's guidance when we're coming to those awarenesses, because it's easy not to know, you know, we need somebody who's gifted to observe what we're saying and the actions that we're taking and be able to help us to remember what we're really, what we're really reacting to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I so enjoyed this conversation and he really gives his clients and and speaking to us permission to feel the feelings and recognize where they're coming from and maybe where they originated and not to push those down or away or hide them away, but to examine them and see what's there. He's all about bringing consciousness to our patterns and move towards freeing ourselves, making lasting changes, and being able to just live with a more open heart. So we couldn't be more grateful to him for appearing on this episode, and we couldn't be more excited for you to hear it. Um, Before we get to it, we have something exciting going on. We are making our way through the month of March. We're two days away from my birthday, by the way. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. There's something about the number 48 that I feel really excited about. Mm, That's a good one. Yeah. I think I remember you telling me that you liked 48. Mm -hmm. I did like 48. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to spending time with my family on my birthday. I always get to spend the day doing all of my favorite things with my family And so that will include a beautiful walk in nature somewhere that will include some delicious food, all of my favorite things, and just being with the people that I love. That's all. That's all that I want for that day. You really do up birthdays well, whether it's for yourself or for those around you. I I really want to emulate that with how well you celebrate your birthday and others' birthdays. 
Yeah, I've talked about that here before. I definitely can um, give my mom props for that because she made a big deal of our birthdays. I mean, it wasn't lavish or anything. It was very simple, but we felt special on that day. You know, we, we felt like she was so happy that, that we were born. And so I do feel special, especially even when it comes to March, you know, March where I live, there's crocuses and daffodils and tulips blooming. And I have those memories of when I was a kid walking home from school in the sunshine and seeing all the new blooms. So just March in general, I, I absolutely love as a, as a birthday month. And this March, you and I have something that we've created that we want to share because we're just a few weeks away from the official beginning of spring. Even if it doesn't feel quite like spring where you are, it's coming. (laughs) It is coming. It's officially here on March 22nd. And Amy and I run this beautiful seasonal yoga and Ayurveda program called A Radiant Year. And we offer 12-week seasonal programs as a part of it. Every time the seasons change, our practices really can change in order to help us feel the best we can during the transition season. And so there's some specific ways that we invite you to think about spring and some specific things that we can do to feel our best Um, as an Ayurvedic counselor, maybe let people know what's going on on this time of year, Amy. Yeah. In Ayurveda, this time of the year, we're moving into what's called Kapha season, K-A-P-H-A. And it's late winter, early spring. That's the season for Kapha. And it's the time when the snow melts and it can be rainy and muddy. And Kapha is made up of earth and water. And Kappa qualities of this time of year can feel heavy or inert or cool or damp. And so you can see those qualities outside in nature, but you also might begin to feel those qualities in your body and in your mind. And so in Ayurveda and in yoga, we change up our practices a little bit to balance those qualities, to bring in more warmth, more mobility, to shake off that inertia or that stagnation. And to really begin to embrace spring and not feel so down and lethargic. Mm-hmm. Our community that is a part of a radiant winter, which just closed a couple of weeks ago, have been receiving a video from us every single Sunday morning that includes different practices. It's completely different each week, and the practices build on one another because it's our hope by the end of the season, by the end of 12 weeks with us, that you have created your own toolbox of practices, including movement and breath techniques and recipes, lifestyle options, specific meditations, specific mudras. I mean, it's really it's really rich content that we're putting together, and our communities receive that once a week. There's a video class. There is um, downloadable material that accompanies the class, some inquiries, some journaling, things to practice and think about through the week. But we also keep it really simple because we know you're busy and we don't want to overwhelm. It's meant to be inspiring and it's meant to support you in this transition season between winter and summer. And we get going again with a radiant spring just after the official beginning of spring. So the first class will be delivered on Sunday, March 22nd. I believe that's the Sunday. Mm-hmm. 
could yeah. be that it's yes. And um, if you want to find out more, then please go to aradiantyear.com and it'll have all the information that you want. And if you're curious about it, feel free to reach out to us as well. Yes, we would love to see you inside a radiant spring. And now without further ado, this incredible interview with this wise and gifted body-based therapist, Nikolai Grossel. Nikolai, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So I spent almost an entire podcast talking about a recent retreat that you were one of the facilitators on. It was so incredible for my partner and I to learn from you. And one thing that I want to share with our listeners is before your work as a therapist, you were actually a fashion photographer. And what I want to ask about that is I wonder if your skill set in that vocation supports you in your work as a therapist who focuses on couples, because what I noticed about you is you just saw, you, you just, you had this beautiful vision of what was really going on. And I wonder if your eye for the art that you were creating supports the eye that you have when you're working with people. You know, in, in many ways it does. It was it was never really anything I, I thought about when I was shooting, but I definitely recognized it when I start working with people uh, because I, I shot a lot of fashion and a lot of uh, portrait celebrity stuff. And, um, you know, when you work with, with, a, with a subject, it's like you're always kind of looking to, to try to connect with the person behind the face, so to speak. Um, so, you know, I would usually not interview the person I was working with, but I would sit with them and talk to them just candidly about whatever was going on in their lives and just kind of looking at them while we were talking and just to, to kind of get them to, to melt a little bit and, and kind of, you know, uh, you know, relax, I guess, and, and, and fall into it. And, and when I started working with clients, I realized that I was actually using the same sort of the same techniques. It's, it's just kind of like monitor what's going on. And, and then, um, you know, because when you connect with another human being, then the, the actual picture taking becomes very simple because it, that's really just recording the moment. But it's like, you know, how do you, how do you build the, you know, the rapport in such a way that they feel comfortable? And, and um, so, yeah, in many ways, there's a similarity. And you're working with people. You know, I work with people every day as a photographer, and I do the same thing in my practice. So it's, uh, it's a little bit different because it's, it's less of a two-way conversation as a therapist where photography, you know, it's kind of a, you know, you're an open book. You, you talk about whatever's going on, but yes. Yeah, I, I wondered about that. You definitely have a gift for cutting right through to the heart of the issue. So what did therapy offer to you that made you know you wanted to learn to hold space in that way for others? So, so back in like 97 or 98, I uh, went, you know, through a personal crisis, so to speak, or I went through a, a situation where I needed some support and I tried traditional talk therapy and, you know, because I'm, but I'm a, a very energetic person and do a lot of, you know, exercise and outside stuff and, and in nature. And I felt this whole idea about sitting in a couch and just talk to somebody. I was like, well, it doesn't really, I mean, I get certain understanding about what's going on with me, but I don't feel any different. Um, so then somebody suggested to do what back then was, was called, it still is, but it's, it's called core energetics, which is a body based modality. And, and I went into this guy's office and he actually was a really interesting guy. He's, um, he lost his one arm in a climbing accident. So he has a hook, like, so one arm is an arm and the other one is a hook. And he's this very good looking, 
guy and, the, and we talked for a very short time and the next thing he did he, was, he took up a punching shield and he gave me a pair of punching gloves on and he said no now you just come over here and beat me up a little bit <laughs> and I was like looking at you know and I'm I'm 6'2 so and he was you know quite, at least a, a foot shorter than I am and I and and I just went to town on it and he was just holding the space for me and and um so it, it really it really uh it gave me what I needed, which was the feeling in my body like this, 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 because I had a lot of aggression. My, my dad and I had a compromised relationship. So I had a lot of aggression in my body that I wasn't really in contact with. And then through almost a 10 year stretch, I worked with him for almost 10 years. I would do these long stretches months, you know, every week for months um, and just work my body. Like, I mean, we would find a topic to talk about and then very quickly it became a very physical experience. Um, and that was kind of how I, I started it. And then when I, um, back uh, like about what, 15 so years ago, I, I wanted to learn something different because I've only ever shot pictures. I picked up a camera at 15 and, and just start taking pictures. And I was like, I want to learn something different. I want to get a new skill. And I was getting a little burnt out on the, on the, the photography to travel, the heavy equipment. And, you know, so I was like, well, this, I really love this work and I really love what it had done for me. It, it completely changed me as a person. And, and uh, that was what segued me into go back to school and, and then become a, a therapist myself. So. Wow, that's that's so incredible. And you learned that the body needed to be included, that there's so much more than what can come out through talk therapy. Um, can you say a little bit more about body-based therapy and why that's important? Yeah, I mean, I actually think it's, you know, it's the, the health crisis that we experience on a global level right now is, is has everything to do with the fact that modern medicine doesn't really take the body into consideration it's a very problem-based uh you know modality or approach meaning you have an issue we'll fix your issue but we're not really looking at what is the originator of the issue and when you have a trauma you have you know and and i just want to clarify that trauma is trauma sits in in the body the second that a sense of hopelessness sh shows up you know so you can imagine you're in the the airport and you can't find your gate and you're about to miss your plane and if you get if you have a sense of hopelessness just right there well that actually classifies as a trauma because it's the way the body responds to it and there are two pieces to a trauma there's the physical part of it which is how you feel and then there's the cognitive piece of it which is the story of it like what actually happened and traditionally in a, a traditional talk therapy you you um you deal with what, how do you, you know, how do you experience the, the what's the story, what happened to you? Like, you know, what's the betrayal, what's the, you know, whatever happened, but you don't really address the physical aspect of it, which means that often people in other modalities will get a lot of understanding of why they feel the way they feel. And then they're let loose. They're left out, left, they leave the office and they're still feeling all these feelings. And very often they, I have had people come into my office. They're actually more angry because now they know why they're angry and they can't do anything about it because, mm -hmm. you know, aggression is one of those emotions in our modern society that is not really promoted as being a healthy emotion. You know, you can't really be angry, right? Like angry is something you do sporadically in an explosive fashion or, or then you otherwise you suppress it. And through that comes all the dysfunctions that we think of, like, you know, domestic violence, road rage, addictions, all that stuff shows up because 
aggression is a life force energy really it's what brings us forth which means we can't we can't stop it you know we you know i mean you look at what has happened you know religions has tried to stop it or or you know politics have tried to stop it and nobody succeeds because you can't stop that energy it's just way too potent so in our therapy we actually give the client permission to have that in emotion you know so we do a lot of, of of that kind of energy and it's 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 very everybody has it you know everybody so well the big aha for me and i may have said this to you amy on that podcast when i was talking about what nikolai was sharing just the way you put it you know, you you were saying have the emotion, get angry, but know what you're getting angry about. And typically what we're doing in our day to day lives is we have this anger in us based on something that happened earlier in our lives. And I want to highlight what you said. You know, trauma is the moment when something happened and we had a sense of hopelessness. Like, wow, I think everybody could really look back at all of the times that we felt that. But yeah. your point is feel the emotion, but know what you're actually angry at and then right. it, explore healthy ways to get angry rather than exploding on another person and destroying right. their boundaries and and harming and creating trauma in the relationship exactly exactly and, and one of the most important pieces that i teach my clients is that that it's you know i can argue a point where any emotion you have is the right one to have you know even to the most extreme situations you know it's like there is a time when that emotion is the right one like if somebody is trying to hurt my family you know is there, will i go to any length to stop it of course i will you know even to the most ex extreme length i will um i will go to that you know so it's so it's so the, one of the ways that i kind of you know i use a lot of like illustration to to you know to teach people one of the illustrations i use is that if you're a man you have like a shelf and there's it's full of bottles and every single bottle is your is one emotion and you're watching the shelf and you go and pick your emotion, meaning I want to feel happy. So you take the happy vial. I want to feel angry. Well, you take the anger vial. What that illustrates and really helps people to do is to know that none of their emotions are not to be had, but they are in the, in the, in the, they have the power to choose, which means, you know, I can choose to get angry. I can choose to be happy. That's 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 a daily choice, you know. And most people don't really understand that that when you don't choose your emotion, you're leaving it up for whatever, which means you can get affected by whatever's around you, you know. And it's like so through this work, it's like you become somewhat neutralized in a way where if I need to get angry, I will get angry, and if I need to not get angry, well then I won't get angry. Do I ever get caught in the emo caught in a situation where I lose my temper, I lose my cool? Of course, I'm human. But my recovery time, you know, and my client's recovery time back to a balanced state is 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 much shorter because you go, okay, I lost my cool here. Let me take a breath. Let me, you know, you know, do whatever I need to do. Get some support. And then you come back to you and and you're you're not a hostage the same way anymore you know you're you're in charge of your emotions so. nikolai do you find that you need to really encourage your clients or that they are resistant to feeling their emotions or expressing their emotions that they might not think that the emotions that they're having are okay well yes very i mean that's basically why everybody shows up in my offices because they feel something that they can't connect with you know and it's not like i would ever take you into my office and say now get angry right and you go like well i don't really know what to how to do that like that's not really 
the approach is more of you come in and you talk about whatever is a topic in your life. And then all of a sudden, let's say you have had a betrayal, you know, 15 years ago, and you start talking about that betrayal because that betrayal is important to you. And very quickly, what you will notice in your body, your stomach will get tight. You might start curl your toes up, your breath gets short. You, you know, you start, may even start like slightly hyperventilating because now you're getting charged up. Mm-hmm. And that's the energy that, you know, instead of having you sitting in the couch, being all charged up, telling me about what go, what's going on, I'll have you move the energy while you're telling me. Because the thing about it is that you can't, you can't, um, you know, dismantle an aggressive energy with anything but aggression. Meaning you, you know, if you're aggressive, then the, the only way that you'll ever be able to do that is to get into the story why you're aggressive and then be aggressive with the story. Meaning somebody's been betrayed, had a betrayal is like if they get to feel the betrayal while they move energy, that's the resolution because that's what the body wants. That's mm-hmm. the, the, what happens when we have a traumatic situation is the body encapsulates the experience because it wants to remember as many details about it in case it happened to show up again in the future. You know, that's, the body is really smart like that. It's basically a fight or flight response, which, you know, we, now we're, there's, they added another level to it, which is called to freeze. So it's flight, fright, or flight, fight, flight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, you know, a, a, maybe you know, but it's, it's basically what has saved us as a, as a species but it was designed as you're walking in the jungle and a sable-toothed tiger comes and you got like 0.3 seconds to figure out what to do. That's what they respond, which means your body becomes hypervigilant. All the blood is pulled into the muscles. Your brain stops working. Your adrenaline is pumped in because you're about to move very quickly, very fast, very far, but in a very short time. Mm-hmm. And what happens now is that we actually are staying in this state of, um, which is another thing I, I want to talk about talk about as well is is what stress does and this is where where all the you know all these things come in so it makes me also there's so much in what you said the last couple of of questions that you've answered but it makes me think of panic attacks you know i've talked pretty openly on this podcast about that's my journey is recovering from disordered anxiety and i almost felt like it was my body having some way of releasing all of the stored energy because i felt like i was in freeze for a lot of my life, right. and I, I, I wasn't taking care of that. That energy had nowhere to go, and so it almost felt like the, the flavor of my particular anxiety attacks did feel like a discharge of energy. So it's like my body was, as you've said, our bodies are always wanting to bring us back into homeostasis. And that was just my body's way of helping. And having seen it that way has actually been really healing for me because I felt like I was a prisoner in this body that I couldn't count on because I never knew when that was going to happen. But really, that was my body attempting to help me. You know, for you, what might have shortened the time that you had to deal with or be in this particular experience is if you were able to identify why you have panic attacks and then you work the why while you're in the experience of it. And that would have shortened the experience, not the particular episode, but let's say you had panic attacks for, you know, two years, right? Like you would have been able to shorten that down because your body wants to release the energy, but it needs to be met in the place you're, you know, when you're in the feeling of it. And that, you know, that's why the work that I do is so 
potent and it's, and the processing time for most people are much shorter is because the body just wants to release. It wants to go back to balance. And it's the second it gets permission, it goes back to balance. It's like, it's, you know, it's a, it's a beautifully orchestrated machine that way. Um, you know, it doesn't remember the same way the brain does, you know, it just goes, there's a charge, you release the charge and then you let it go. And then you're, and, and then you're done, so to speak. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's not done just like that, but it's a, it's a shorter process. So. Oh, I wish I would have had you and information like that. You know, back then there right. wasn't as much information about mental health. And so, yeah, those panic attacks went on for a long time, more than two years. And so now I'm kind of going back to do the work and, but what it's making me think of is, you know, if somebody had a trauma where they froze and what the body wanted to do was run, you know, how would you would you have people run? Well, I mean, you could have them run, but but it's like but the question is more like, what are you running from? You know what I mean? And it's and this and so then if you sit with that for a little bit, then you will usually they will arise to the surface or come up to the surface and then. Um, from that perspective, you'll be able to confront it because remember the the feeling that you're having of something terrible about to happen is a historical experience, you know. So I actually tell my clients when they are in that space, I tell them look in look at each corner of my office and make sure there's no tigers sitting there. <laughs> and I actually physically have them turn around. And when they do that, and they go, well, there's nothing here. And I go, okay. So then you have to acknowledge that you are having a historical experience, meaning. It, a, it is a, you know, um, it's an old feeling. And when they realize that, they go, okay, well, then I can maybe go into the feeling a little bit more because I'm feeling like the world is going to cave in on me, but I'm in this beautiful office and, and the environment is, is a safe environment, you know. And again, we don't do this on session one. I mean, there's a lot of relationship building, but, and then they get into it and that, that's when the release happens, the tears, the yelling and screaming, the movement, the stretching, the, you know, and we also do this with people that wants to maximize their experiences. I mean, somebody could come in and they, they have done something really amazing, but they can't, um, they can't celebrate it. Like I have one of my clients as a, as a writer and he does popular, you know, TV series and you guys have both seen some of them, but he has a very hard time celebrating it. And he's so brilliant. And we did a lot of work around own it, like really, really. And, and he just, and it was, you know, immense amount of tears that came out of just this, this, like this person just starting to really breathe his brilliance, you know, but he was so shut down and he was able to produce the brilliance, but he wasn't able to celebrate it. And, um, you know, so it's not all, you know, bad quote unquote things that happen to people. It's, it's really just about becoming fully, alive you know it's it's uh, the goal of the work is that the, the larger your container is the more capacity you have to filter whatever comes at you which means the strawberries are sweeter the sun is brighter the you know everything just becomes more heightened because you're more available and that's really at the end of the day since we are here doing this life on this planet then why not floor it you know maximize it out to the most capacity and and that's really what happens so hmm. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Can you speak more to stress? I just, you know, I just, I mean, it's something that I, that I've actually was, it's a f- fairly new information to me, but, but I just, you know, people have talked about stress and everybody's stressed and stress kills and, 
and then just recently I, I was I was uh, I was told like you know through a, a class I took like what actually happens to the body in a stressful situation and it's the it's the that we actually you know delete about two billion cells on a daily basis and then we produce two new two billion new cells so it's an ongoing you know elimination process and in a, in a seven year span you're every single cell in your body has been replaced so you're literally another human being like we're, we're somebody else so what happens when you're in a fight or flight the which is the the experience of the sable-toothed tiger the body stops producing new cells because it's it's conserving all the energy to get you out of harm's way but it's for a very short amount of time so since the the society or the way society is set up today is that so many people live in a stressful environment or in a stressful situation what actually happens is that the body thinks there's a tiger coming so it's it's conserving energy so it's pulling all the energy back which means the cell production is either cut off or cut way down because it takes energy and, and, and product to produce new cells. But you're still bleeding 2 billion cells at the other end because that's a natural selection. So within a very short time, we're actually being hollowed out from the inside. And I, to me, that was such an eye opener because, because I was like, wow, you know, so basically anytime I'm putting myself in something where I say, well, I have to do it, and I know that it's not putting me in a stressful situation, I also have to sign off on, on the fact that I'm actually in the process of draining myself out. And when, when that became clear to me, then that changed a lot of my everyday, you know, the way I do things every day and the way I relate to things is because it's like, if it's not really supporting, then I, I have to look at it. I mean, stress shows up, you know, but these prolonged stresses are the ones that are really... Um, that are really scary. So, I mean, I think are really scary and, and not much has been spoken about that. You kind of have to go and, and look for it. So, you know, that's a new, newer thing for me. But We all have our day-to-day -day stressful situations. I've heard you say that, you know, many of us feel hostage to that first initial emotion that is triggered just by a day-to-day -day stressful situation or a conflict. So what might you do in the face of that now that you didn't do 15, 20 years ago? Yeah. So, so one of the things where it really is apparent to me is that, so the body, we work with something called the body mind connection. And what that is, is the body is the body, your body doesn't really know the difference between what's actually happening right now or what's as, as a historical experience if it is backed by an emotion. So if you think about it, like again, a traumatic situation that the body will encapsulate because it wants to remember. So the, the second it encapsulates something, Let's say somebody has experienced something where there are an aspect of this experience that shows up in their everyday life. Like they have to take a subway, for example, or they have to be amongst people or they have to do something that reminds the body of the trauma. Mm -hmm. So now the body is on some level, some percentage is on alert because it's remembering that this particular situation in the past was dangerous. So let's be on alert. That's a, that's a fight or flight state. You know, it might not, not be a full-blown fight or flight, but it is a, at a certain level, it's a fight or flight. Well, then that's where the cell production in your body stops because your body's getting ready to fight off something. So when a client comes in and we work the historical pieces out, like whatever happened back then, that means that when the body goes back to a homeostasis, homeostasis then it's 
no longer needing to remember what happened in the past because it's no longer scary, which means they, the stress factor goes down and the body will not produce, you know, the accurate amount of cells that you need to, you know, to live, uh, to, to be healthy. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like all these things kind of dovetail into each other, you know, and, and the string obviously become longer and longer, the longer, the more you go into it. Right. But it's, but that's, that that's one of the main pieces why, um, you know, that I've been, been really um, honing in on lately is, is, is that, that correlation between those things. So. How did you decide to focus on working with couples? I, I don't just work with couples. I mean, the majority of my practice is actually um, is individuals. Um, mm. But I, I, you know, I, I, I mean, the work with one person is really amazing, but with two people is even more amazing because now you have like more dynamics and then you, you know, we, I do groups too. And, and my goal in the future is definitely to, to run very large, you know, large groups because it, because the energy, I mean, to answer your question, the energy when there's more than one person in the room gets more than double, you know I mean? So because everybody, so you have four people in the room, there, there be, you know, everybody's pulling on everybody else. That means that, that, you know, uh, the energy rises. I mean, that's a little bit what we experienced in, in Mexico over the week was that we got further and further and further and further into it because everybody was just getting inspired by each other. And, mm -hmm. and you know, you just, you, you, you saw that you saw people melt. I mean, you, I saw you guys melt right in front of my eyes and it's just, you know, mm -hmm. it, and it's just so beautiful. I mean, that's to me, is just the most amazing thing when people, people's hearts just open up. It's just, I, I get great satisfaction. I'm not going to, deny that and see somebody that are on the way to separating to support them and actually see them make a turn and go, you know what, let's, let's try something different, you know, and it's, I mean, it doesn't happen every time, but, but a, a fair amount of people actually, you know, uh, come out and, and, and end up living successful relationships and, and, um, you know, it's, it's satisfying, very satisfying. So. When you're working with relationships, whether it be romantic relationships, you know, heteronormative relationships, there's all sorts of relationships to be working with. Are you seeing patterns in in the communication skills that cause breakdowns between people? Yes, um, I mean, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a it's a larger question because it in core we also work with something called character structures, which is there are five structures to it, and they're from about three months of pregnancy until about seven years of age, whatever happens in that time frame determines our personalities, but it also determines our bodies, you know, so we can actually within an 85, 90% range, I'll be able to tell you what any human beings major issues are just by looking at them, just the way that bodies develop. So that said, depending on what body types comes into my office, they're very particular ways they respond but that's a huge topic so you know i'm happy to elaborate on a little bit but it's a it's a very big topic but um but yes you can you can um you know we we actually come together as couples very often you'll see similar people being coupled up you know it's it's um it, it often happens and uh, it, it we think we're choosing but we're actually we are choosing, but we are more looking for for a um, a partner to work our issues out with. That's really what most most relationships are, um, as as far as I have come to understand it, is that it's a unconscious desire to work out issues, and we're finding a partner that's willing to 
to take that ride with us. Yeah, but we don't know we're doing it. That's <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> you know, that that was such a huge aha moment for me, and that's what right. we talked about in the episode where we talked about you. Is that is the invitation in all of our relationships? Is whatever is being triggered is is the work that needs to be done. That's the aerospace. I mean, that's why you know you, you're chemically are actually in, induced for the per- first three or four months of a relationship is because because you're not you if you were really a there, then you wouldn't be there. Most people wouldn't be there. You know what I mean? So, so you're actually chemically chemically changed. So you don't see. I mean, that's why they call it rose-colored glasses because mm-hmm. you are literally not seeing the world the way that it comes back to. But but that's the whole point is like that you have enough time invested into it um that when the the real issues start to surface you're already invested and and then you know and then we most people tend to give it a shot you know what i mean and, and and try to work it out and um so it's fascinating okay so couples listening they may be in the they may be in the rose colored glasses time of a relationship or you know, in my experience and in many people that I've spoken to, when that starts to go away, so many conflicts arise, you know, and there's language right. like, there's language like, you know, you tricked me and, and you're different than you were. What what are some techniques to think about when it comes to that stage in a relationship when when you're the you're seeing things as they actually are and it's not what you thought? Well, it's 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 kind of like if you if you back into it a little bit. Let's, so let's say that you take a woman and she was she was betrayed by her father, right? She he was he was absent, he wasn't there, whatever. Something happened, right? And then she goes out in the world and she feels she, and she never did any work about it. You know, she never did any work around it. And then she goes out in the world and she falls in love with a guy and and everything's fine. And then all of a sudden, he does. You know, he says, uh, "Honey, I'm going to be home at." At eight o'clock for dinner and then he gets caught there's a traffic jam or an accident he gets caught his phone is not working he comes home at, at nine o'clock and she's she's red hot right she's explode she and she explodes on him and he goes but honey you know i just i just was in a traffic jam so he doesn't have a chance right there because what she's working out is her dad mm-hmm. her dad's absence her dad's betrayal you know, she has a bottom line on underlying stories saying men are untrustworthy. They don't stick around. They're, you know, they're just takers, whatever her story is. Right. And she will scan the horizon for anything, anything that proves her story. So her so in, in a situation like that, the only thing you can really do is like and what I do is when somebody comes in and a couple comes in and start work and want to do and they start out with a lot of, you know, it's he always, he never, or she always, she never. And everybody's kind of, both parties are dug into a trench and they're just kind of firing at each other. But the work is not really among the couple, like in that sense, the, the work is to expose the back end of it. Meaning if the husband of the wife, which father never showed up, you know, if, I, if she was in my office, I would work her father. Like I would work her relationship with her father and very quickly she would probably completely fall apart because she she she's going to feel the terror of uh, her husband you know the terror from the father but she's also going to feel the terror of her husband potentially leaving her and what that means to her hmm. when he sees that that changes everything because now he has some understanding 
why she responds the way she responds. And the same thing goes for whatever his story is. Like we all, we all come to the table with a story, right? We all have experienced something. So when you work this, this, the individual stories, then all of a sudden the language changes, right? Then that means that he will remember to, to be, you know, to, to give her space, but not necessarily like if he walks through the door and she's, she's exploding, give her 15 minutes or give her 10 minutes or just, just let her vent because her, her terror is coming up. Like she's terrorized by this situation that, that the husband is triggering, but he has very little to do with. We, we work with something called the 80, 20 rule, which is 80% of what you're experiencing at every given, any given time is historical and 20% is real. Mm-hmm. Meaning you have a fight with your partner. 20% of the fight is actually about the dishes. The 80% is about something entirely different. And if you go into the relation and into the therapeutic process with that in mind, then it becomes very quickly, very, you know, exploratory, meaning both couples going, this is how I, this is how I see it, or this is how I experiencing it. Let's see what's behind it. You know what I mean? Because, because you're, you're there to work out uh, the issue so you can get back to a loving experience. And as soon as you, you, the couples get that, it becomes really fun because, you know, it's like, what else is here? Like it becomes, you know, we trigger each other, but both parties are invested into it, meaning we're here to move the stuff out of the way so we can um, we can get back to what this is all about, you know, um, being, you know, being in a loving experience and, and have the support we need and you know, to grow and all this stuff. Right. So I'm interested to know how if they aren't in therapy with you, how they are identifying what's old and what's new. Well, they're in, they're in most cases, they're not, you know, I mean, it's in that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons why the divorce rate, uh, unfortunately, is as high as it is, is that that it's easy to, to get docked down in your, uh, your belief or your story saying he is the reason. And then you, most people will, you know, split up and, and go and do it again. And, and often, mm-hmm. you know, they'll have the same relationship over and over again, because they're trying to, to, uh, to work out the, um, the, you know, the same issue, because the issue is the issue, right? Like whatever happened, happened. And as long as it's stuck in your body and not released, well, it's stuck in your body. And so it's like that saying, wherever you go, there you are. It's like, you can replace Mr. Right with any version of Mr. Right, but whatever relationship you have to men, you will still have to men, right? If, if, um, you know, hopefully, unfortunately, more and more people are realizing that there's more to it than an one-dimensional experience. It's like it's it's we're here to, you know, we're here to heal, you know, our relationship with our parents, but also the generation of people that are alive right now are the most processed-out people in ever, right? I mean, it's as far as going to therapy, which means that. I've had people come into my office and they're fairly young, but they're actually working two, three, four generations of hurt out because because the the original betrayal happened and then the next generation didn't do anything about it. They just passed it on. Mm-hmm. You know, you see it very often with, you know, with people being abusive and then they end up in abusive relationships and you kind of wonder. Why, why would you choose abuse if you experience abuse? And the answer is simple. It's what you know. We're all drawn to what we know, even if it's dysfunctional. We'll go, you know, you'll walk into the room. You know, it's like you, there's a study made done with people um, 
that grew up in an alcoholic household. And they're way more likely to marry or get into a relationship with an alcoholic than people that didn't. And you would, you would kind of go like, why, what, why is that? And it's like, because the person will walk into the room and there'll be 200 people in the room and they'll sniff out the 10 alcoholics <laughs> because they know what it looks like. They know what it feels like. I know that one. Okay, that feels safe. Let me go over there. So it's, 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 just, it's fascinating. So, you know, it's, there isn't really any other way around it and work it out. You know, mm-hmm. there's many, many modalities you can, you can try, you know, but, but um, you know, but the, you got to get into the body. I mean, somatic therapy on a whole is exploding on the scene right now because everybody's realizing, oh, you know, it, it's in the body, you know, it's like, it's in the body. And you have to find a way to come to these awarenesses. You know, that's why therapists like you are so important, because if we don't know, if we're unconscious to our stories and the beliefs that we have, and as you say, we're just playing them out in all of our relationships, I can completely identify with that. I can, you know, every, every relationship, there was the same challenge. They, there, there wasn't enough love for me in that, in that relationship. And it, you know, for me, it wasn't therapy. It is now. It was it was yoga and the philosophy behind that practice and that system that showed me that our thoughts are patterns and it showed me the way of the mind. And then it showed me that, oh, well, maybe this entire story that I have about my life and about this human, maybe that's wrong. And uh, learning to dismantle that was was so incredible and learning that you know, my, my thoughts could not really be trusted because they were coming from somewhere else. So right. I just appreciate that we're talking about this more often because it's a huge game changer. Oh. And I think it takes our whole lives to really unearth that 80% that you're talking about. And Nikolai, I mean, I don't, I hope that you're comfortable with this, but you know, I'm curious regarding that 80-20 concept you do, I know, a lot of your own personal work, which is why you're so gifted at holding space for other people. Um, can you give me some examples of what you've unearthed about your own 80% that supports you in your relationships right now? My biggest teacher was, was definitely my father. I mean, he's, you know, he's still alive and we have, a, we have a very, you know, we have a balanced relationship today, but there's topics that we, um, we can't talk about, but, but, you know, I, I came to America in 93 with, you know, a, a suitcase and $4,000. And then I just started in the corner <laughs> and, <laughs> and I just, you know, I worked my ass off. I mean, literally like just plowed ahead and I, and I never really stopped and I never really stopped, um, to think, you know, why am I working so hard? And, you know, why do I want to be a photographer in, in this, probably the hardest place in the world? To be a photographer i mean all cities new york is 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 the place to do it and it wasn't until when i started therapy that that you know and i did all this work with my dad that i that it came to me you know through the process that i he never it, it, he never acknowledged us like he just he didn't matter what we did you know what i mean i was on the olympic team as an archery and he i don't remember him ever saying a word about it or or any of it so it's like what i was doing was I was I was trying to prove to my father through the work, right through the the immense amount of, of things I was doing, and and so that was 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 why I was never really able to celebrate. You know what happened was because until he responded, it wasn't good enough. It wasn't enough. It wasn't loud enough. And we I just and my sister, I mean, she's a very famous film producer, a, a big film producer in Europe, and same thing, the same exact story. And when that, when I was able to bridge that, 
was the day that I probably <laughs> took, <laughs> took, took some time off. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember, but, but I remember the moment when I was like, wow, this is, this is insane. This is insane. You know, because I was, I was in the process of, I mean, I was younger and so I had a lot more, you know, like it, I could run harder and I'm not pay the price for it, but I wouldn't have, you know, it, I was like, I was a stressed out young man in New York, just, you know, running 90 miles an hour to, um, you know, to, to try to prove him. You know? And, and when, when I let that go, that was when the relationship changed because with him too was because I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, I had to stop caring, you know, and, and when I look at him, he's, you know, he's an antique dealer in Europe and he's doing, he's done amazingly in his life. But if you ask him, there, there's no celebration in it, none whatsoever, because he's, he, but he never did a day of therapy in his life, you know, so he's a perfect example of what happened when, when the hurt just rolls from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. And, um, you know, and, and I mean, he's incapable of loving. I mean, he has four children and, and the, he, the only person he's ever told he loved is his dog. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing, but it's, it's, it's comical today, but it's, it was very hurtful and very sad for so many years. You know, so. Mm. so that's one of the places where I can definitely say that it, it you know, I, I had, a, I experienced it on myself. So. Thank you for sharing. And we really learn from each other's stories. I feel like I need to sign up for therapy immediately. (laughs) Why do you say that? Because I still feel like there are multiple layers that can be addressed. And I have spent the majority of my adult life not examining my life, just plowing ahead and working harder. And, and I've been in therapy off and on, but I'm not currently in therapy. And I, and I, I don't know why, because I find it so useful and so supportive and healing. And, and then there just seems to be periods of time where I, for one reason or another, um, I drop out of it or the therapist moves away or, you know, for various reasons. And I really, just speaking to you today reminds me of the importance of, of giving yourself that time and space and having that examined existence right to really even if you're feeling great mm-hmm. and right. and there's always there's always another layer that could be examined and especially when you were talking about stress in the body i was just thinking about what an anti-aging process therapy could be yeah absolutely, <laughs> you know? absolutely. like just this rejuvenative process of going to therapy yeah, absolutely. I mean, I and I've experienced it, and 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 I've seen it in multiple people. It, that the, the second the body gets the, what it needs, it just bounces back. I mean, it's you know, mm-hmm. it's and that's the thing is like the body. You know, our bodies are just there every day. They show up every day, you know, mm-hmm. and just does for us and does for us. And we we you know we treat it and like it's it, it's 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 like a something we can just replace. A lot of us do, right? I mean, I have done, and it's like it just shows up until it doesn't and then the show's over but um and it's like so it's the second you give it what it needs it just boom it just comes right back and it's like okay let's do it again you know and it's it's um it, it changed my relationship with with um with myself in that sense you know so mm-hmm. i want to ask about specific um emotions that 
you know, emotions like shame and self-consciousness and emotions that hold people back in their lives. And because I have you on the line, I mean, I, I can't resist sharing something that I feel holds me back based on, I think I can put my finger on in the past what it was. And so I have this specific memory about standing in front of a group of people and and being humiliated. And so in my life, I sometimes, I often have to stand in front of a group of people. And I, I am called to do the work that I do just a little bit more than I am to give in to the fear of history because I know it's in the past and I know that in this moment I'm safe and, um, you know, I'm wanting to be connected to a greater purpose than, you know, my own wounding. But for example, you know, I, I think a, a lot of people feel like they want to hide who they really are or, you know, they have bouts of feeling self-conscious and nobody wants to be embarrassed. And I think that typically comes from something that happened in the past because we just have this wiring, you know, that we don't want to be exiled from the group. We have a need for belonging. How would, what would the process be if it's not necessarily anger, but if we had something in our past where we, we felt humiliated, like we wanted to hide, like a deep core wound of shame, what are some thoughts you have about that? I mean, the approach is somewhat the same. It's just the the, the choice of, of tool is a little bit different. You know, I mean, of course, if, if you feel shame, I'm not going to have you, you know, uh, hit something. Or I may, because the hitting is not, I mean, we use, you know, punching gloves or, or tennis rackets and these big foam cubes and our hands. And it's, it's not like the moving up energy is not really always about aggression. It's about that we suppress our emotions with our physicalities, meaning you probably both have experienced something happens and your belly gets really tight or your 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 breath get really short or you tense up in some sense you know what i mean like there's a way the body actually controls that so what happens is when you move energy like you just you know you we also do it with kicking like we'll kick a big foam cube and what happens is that when the the body is drained for its physicality to withhold then the emotions have more space to freely come around and then they surface and then guess what next thing you're you're probably a crime or you're you know you're you're some something's happening right so you know when you talk about shame it's like it's of course it's that's a that's a very soft uh feeling and it's a very it's it's embarrassing and you feel a lot of people feel annihilated and they feel you know all sorts of things so you know, that's compassion. You know I mean, it's like, that's, that's me working the compassion piece. And it's, so it's like, as a therapist, you kind of a little bit of a chameleon because you, depending on who walks through your door, you have to become what they need, you know? So I play mm. the son or the father or the husband or the, the dad, a lot of dad, like I'm 50. So I play a lot of dad now, you know what I mean? I used to be the more of the the partner or the you know the attraction was when i was younger but now you know a lot of people it's it's dad stuff that comes in and 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 you just you you again you you create a container where that person can just feel the emotion you know um you feel the emotion and and when you when you do feel the emotion it's it just it it melts it's like it's a little bit like if you're man you put an ice cube on your countertop it's it's going, it's going to melt, but it's going to take a while, right? It's going to slowly just melt. And then those emotions are the same way. Like they're not going to go away 
overnight and or right away but it's but if you give them space then um then they will you know they will slowly come out i mean you know and but you but those kind of feelings you have to be very gentle because they're the first ones to go in hiding meaning you'll put a layer out you know and it's actually called a mask you slap a mask on top of it and say this is not important and and you know so it's that's the gentle work and i do i do a lot of of gentle work i work a lot with women that's been violated and in various ways and and that work is is a mix of being firm and hold them to it and then also be soft and create space that that you know these these terrible acts have happened and and or or you know i mean a lot of dad stuff where the father wasn't available or he died or you know he's an asshole or he's abusive or you know the, um and it's really about you know um hold hold the space and whatever is needed so it's a little hard to explain the or to to describe the the you know those kind of feelings because it's such a it's such a physical experience so it's there's not much because i would it, what i would say is well not much is really going on <laughs> but that's the whole point you create space so nothing can go on which means that whatever needs to surface is just going to come up on its own it's like watching a flower come up through the ground it's going to come up slowly it's going to take a while it's going to do it at its own pace it will come but you but you can't you can't force it in any way right so i'm hearing you say yeah. that you know let people feel what they're feeling and it can be proven to us that we can withstand an emotion too yeah so working with clients in this way i imagine there's a lot of energy exchanged or you're witness to a lot of energy expelled right. How do you maintain your container or your boundaries? Do you have physical practices or routines, like a daily routine that keeps you healthy and and not coming from a place of depletion? Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's a very, very big topic. But so there's a couple of things is a it's a one way conversation. Like I don't like I'm just me. I don't share about my life or I don't mm -hmm. share about my experiences like what we did in in Mexico was was different because there I chose to be an open book meaning I I talked about my life I talked about my struggles and 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 but with a client you don't you don't you know you will at the end of the relation the working relationship you will start sharing of yourself because it deflates the transference meaning if you come if you have an issue and you come into my office and you feel that you and I are completely equal then you would also say, well, if he's the same as me, then why would he know what to do with me? And you will leave because you, you lose the trust in the process. So we keep a, um, you know, we keep ourselves like I am me, but, but you know, it's, it, I don't share about myself. So from that perspective, whatever comes at me, I'm not emotionally attached to it the same way I would if you and I were having a conversation back and forth and, and it was like, you know, sharing of, sharing of our lives, right? It's, it's a different setup. But that's the one thing. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing about it is I have a supervisor that I see every two weeks and I, and I just talk over and it's the only, only place I'll share about my, pra my practice is with a supervisor about what's going on and, you know, how I'm relating and how am I feeling about it, you know, because, because, you know, I'm affected by some of the stories that come in and, um, I meditate every day. I, I uh, have a very strict practice and, and I live a very, very simple life, so to speak. Um, because I, you know, I see about 27 clients a week and, mm. and I have to, um, 
you know, I just have the rest of the time. I just kind of have to just be with myself, and and um, and that's that's kind of been my way of doing it. So, well, and you're, I feel like a walking example of somebody who has walked through the fire and mm-hmm. opened up on the other side with such an open heart, because right. that is definitely what I took away from from being with you. Is that right. if you if you commit to examining some of these stories and let yourself feel it and let yourself move through it, then as you said, life can be so much bigger and brighter because really you're just committing to living from your heart. Um, But before we let you go, we had a couple of listener questions and they were around communication. And so I'm curious if we know something about ourselves, if we realize that, okay, what am I really upset about? What is this reminding me of? How mm-hmm. how is the best way to communicate that to our partner? And I would I would I mean I would say ask yourself what do you need? You know, so when you're if you're in a in a in a spot with somebody and you're and you're kind of going at it and pause for a second and just ask yourself what is it that you actually need? And and most most cases you'll be very surprised about the answer is not what's going on right now. It's not the dishes, it's not the child pickup, it's something entirely different you know it's it's like i need something different and then and if you can then articulate that out then then um you know then then you might have a different outcome and then obviously if you if you're already in the red zone take some time i mean separate for a little bit like 10 minutes take a walk you know uh, whatever go go and do something separate calm down a little bit because you're you're in a fight or flight state right you're in a stressed out moment you know so you're actually you can't really be productive there because your body is getting ready to fight an enemy and your partner is the enemy, right? So your body is actually going, well, let's take out the enemy and you've <laughs> got to get out of that zone into something more. And you're not in your heart either. I mean, it's, that's the thing. It's like you, when you're in fight or flight, you're just, it's, just, it's pure survival. There's no heart in it because, you know, there's no need for it, right? Because if you're not going to survive, then you can't use your heart for anything anyway. So. Let's get rid of that. Let's just survive this situation and then get back into it. Own the, own the feelings. I mean, that's again, it's like if you're charged up, you got it. You have to own it. Like there's, you have to own the, the way you feel. It's like, and, and most people won't own it. I mean, it's a huge part of the practice is to, we call it lower self or negative self-expression. And it's like, own that, own your cruelty, own your, your, your negative intent, own your negative pleasure, like own those places. Like we all feel jealousy or we want to compete or we want to, you wish that somebody, what somebody else have, you want that, right? Like you, we all feel that at some level or have felt it, you know, the problem is if you don't own it, then you have to stuff it somewhere and you got to slap it on with something else. That's the, you know, put a layer on top of it and it's like, own it, go, yeah, you know, I really want that house, you know, because if you really own it, it turns from a competition to an inspiration. Mm-hmm. I really want a house like that. It's the same angle. It's just a different approach to it. So it's, it's a really about owning it now. So it's such an incredible takeaway. Ask for what you need when you're in those conflicts. I've done that. And, and the answer is usually, you know, I just, I want to feel like I want to feel seen and acknowledged and loved. Like yeah. it's usually, it's usually about wanting love. And, yeah. you know, it's like what I'm hearing is we need to, again, choose, choose love over fear. Just think about it. If you don't own your aggression, then you own, then you don't own your passion, right? And you don't own your creativity because aggression, if you flip aggression on top of his head, it's just creativity. 
if you go in and you destroy a room because you're really aggressive, you created a lot, right? You create a lot of mess, but it's very creative, right? So it's a creative energy, but it's also passion. You can't have a very vigorous sexual experience with your partner and not own your aggression. You know what I mean? It's, you can't, you can't, because if you're not willing to rise up to the occasion, then you're not willing to rise up to the occasion. So it all interlocks, right? So that means that the people that are willing to take the fights, you know, also have the best sexual connection because, okay, now just channel it over here. Because again, remember all those things, like the one, if you were to distill all this down to one drop, it's life force. It's what put 9 billion people on the planet and you try to you try to restrict that, you know, nobody nobody has been able to ever, right? Because it's not it's unrestrictable. There's so much power in it. Like, you know, it's the same thing that keeps the planet in place. So you can't you you can't do anything with it. You just have to you have to live with it. Then express it is your only option because then you can direct it and you can be creative. You, you can create something amazing, right? So. Amy, hasn't this been just the most incredible conversation? <laughs> yeah, I feel like we need a whole second episode to just talk yeah. about aggression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sex is a big topic because really everything we do boils down to, and I'm not talking about sex amongst two people, it's our individual sexual expression, right? That's that's really so that's that's but that's that's where everything ends up in on that topic eventually that's where it goes to and so that's uh, if you guys want to do that i'm happy to do it again at some point because it's that's really what it's all about like that's that's it <laughs> you know so but. absolutely to be continued yeah. well okay. i i am so happy that our paths crossed i learned yeah, learned so much from you i'm i'm so honored that you would agree to be on the show i know that You've informed a lot of people listening here today. Nikolai, thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Warrior podcast. If you found it valuable, please leave us a positive review to help others find it. And please check out the Radiant Warrior podcast on Instagram and Facebook to leave us your questions and find out where you can come and practice with us next.